Hello, dear listener. I think I normally say dear reader, but if you're listening to this, you're not reading it, are you, really? Um, this is coming up on the back of a recent podcast already published because, you know, I don't do one for months and months and months and then I do two in a row because I'm <laughs> so organised like that. And I still don't have any theme music. I really do need some theme music. Anyone want to find some, you know, non-copyrighted theme music? Feel free to drop me a line. It's got to be just right, though. Anyway, let's get to it. The first one is a um, is from a, a woman who actually emailed me as well, so we've already had this conversation. But I'm going to put it out there for anybody else who might have a similar question. And plus she says nice things about me, so does that. I just read your book in one sitting. It brought tears to my eyes. I have been in a vanilla marriage for 22 years and I love my husband. I've always had fantasies of dominating, but I thought they were just wrong and weird and left them for self-love only. But those are the best orgasms. They are now daily. The vanilla ones, meh. Now I'm facing an empty nest and an empty heart. I don't want to cheat, but I want desperately. I want to restrain and spank and bite and, well, you know, it's been consuming my thoughts. Do you have advice? I'm so afraid to ask him. How do I know if he might let me be his dom from C? Hello, C. I'm so glad you enjoyed my book and could relate to it. Um, that's so very lovely to hear, and thank you so much for saying so. I can empathise with your dilemma, and I know it's really hard when you've stifled yourself for so long. And, and when you're with someone who you aren't sure you can share yourself with, that's, that's really tough. In my experience, most men are delighted by women taking the initiative and playing sexy games. Obviously, harder S&M stuff is a much bigger step along. Um, also, because you've been married for so long, you have some long-established habits with your husband. So it might be a bit tricky to overcome these, as opposed to, say, being in a new relationship where everything is fresh. Um, habits of behaviour and habits of communication and habits of relating are very hard to break out of. Um, but people do manage it. And, frankly, it's a lot easier for you to bring your husband along than it is for the seeming, seeming gazillions of submissive men trying to bring their... Um, vanilla wives or girlfriends along to be dominant. I mean, that's a much bigger ask. I'd absolutely approach it with him, but avoid using BDSM words because they're scary. Like dominant, submissive, and even the word BDSM. Um, because if you approach it that way, the first thing someone's going to do is go and look it up on the internet. And that is a scary load of messy shit out there. So... I'd start off light. I'd start off with fun, sexy stuff like um, light types of play. Focus on those first and talk about the activities versus using the vernacular around BDSM. Like, hey, I'd really like to tie you up and have my way with you. What do you think? Or I really want to shove you around and bear you up for that. Then make it super hot and fun and 
hopefully for both of you, the best case is he'll be all gooey-eyed with amazement that this is the woman he married, right? And this is a thing you're capable Because it's fun, sexy times, and I don't know many men who don't enjoy that. If he's adventurous and you get some light play off the ground, you can lead up to something like sex slave for a day, for example, or half a day or a couple of hours or something like that where he has to do everything you say. And I honestly don't know any man whose eyes wouldn't light up at the idea of being a sex slave um, and treat him like the sexiest object you've ever seen, you know, use him for your pleasure and have him do all the things that turn you on and hopefully that will turn him on and go from there. I do think that diving into BDSM, I'm using air quotes there, BDSM and domination submission is a step too far to start off with, even though everyone always goes on and on about open and honest communication. I get it. I do get it. But when you lay this stuff on the table as a a huge deal and a big package of stuff, it's scary. And... People are resistant to things that are scary to them, which is understandable. And having to fight against any of the, the images and stereotypes he finds if he Googles it is a whole mess of business that makes it all a very serious affair. So the, the more lighthearted that you can start out and that you can get him a little bit interested, the better, I think. I hope that helps. Ferns, I'm hoping you can give me advice. I'm a young, early 20s Dom woman. See, and people say they don't exist. Oh, they exist, baby. And I don't really know how to go about finding men who share my sexual interests and are also, well, nice to me. Fucking hell. She didn't write fucking hell. I just said fucking hell. Guys I talk to online often seem to want a very specific sort of fantasy dominatrix experience. It doesn't really appeal to me. And are often much older to boot. And the men my age I've dated in real life have generally been really uncomfortable with their sexuality in a way that leads them to sort of take it out on me outside of the bedroom. Like, I've had so many guys get out in public with me and immediately start this macho posturing stuff that feels really humiliating to me. Or they've suggested that I'm, like, domineering and bitchy because of the things I like and because I want people to actually treat me well. I'm not super involved in my local kink community, so maybe I'm just not looking in the right places. But the times I've tried, I've found the vast majority of people relating to me as young and female and therefore obviously a sub, and it's been really alienating. Probably there's not an obvious solution to this, except maybe to get older. <laughs> but at any rate, it's nice to read your blog and hear that sometimes things do work out. Thanks. And this, folks illustrates exactly why young and newbie-dominant women are driven away from BDSM. For fuck's sake. Makes me so angry. I'm really sorry you've had these shitty experiences, and I wish I could say it's uncommon, but it's not. And it's angry-making. It's... Ugh. Just... Ugh. You face a lot of challenges as a young, dominant woman, and there's no easy answer. You've obviously tried a few different things online... Real life, dating, play, all that sort of stuff. And part of the challenge 
you're facing is because you're young and because you're female. This presents an issue with older partners because they generally will want to manipulate you into delivering whatever their fetish is. And younger partners because they're not comfortable with going against the norm just yet, a lot of them. And within the BDSM community, which is like some, in I mean it's unfair to say generalised, but I think in a lot of communities, even if they're trying their best, there are the same assumptions within the community as there are out in society about women's place and all that sort of business. It's like a whole big mess of no win. So all that to say, it's not you. If you live in or near a decent-sized community, um, have a look on FetLife, if you, I assume you're on there already, for a TNG group. But they, they tend to be a bunch of smart young people who well, gather together because they've struck problems in the community with the, the attitudes and the older um, crowd. And even if there's not a formal group, young people tend to hang out together, right? So if you maybe reach out to people who seem to be actively doing things and talking about doing things, they might have informal rope meets or they might have just, you know, go to a bar for a few drinks or going out for coffee or going rock climbing or goodness knows what. So I think it's worthwhile trying to reach out to those people as a community and see if you can find some little um, group that maybe, if they're not a TNG group, or at least an informal group. Um, generally, I, f I find they've all had common experiences. So they'll not only be able to relate, they'll probably be able to help as well. Um, and if a young man is confident enough to get out to the community and be in those groups, A, he has a strong grasp of reality because he knows these people and they're, they're his friends and all that sort of business. And even if he's still evolving, which a lot of young people are, of course, he's probably not got that all that insecurity that makes him behave like a jerk-face asshole. And people in those younger groups really never have those all females are subs <laughs> thing that older men um, have, which is always wishful thinking on their part, right? And they can fuck off. I really hope you find your people and I wish you luck with that. The next one says, I was wondering if you could give me examples of some tasks I could use for my sub since I'm new to all of this. I'm just really stumped and I couldn't think of any tasks to give him. I'm always a little bit baffled by this type of question and it does come up a lot. Um, personally, I don't give tasks just because. And if you're looking for tasks to give him, it's really just busy work. Like, what's the point? I assume you're doing it because he wants them. Or, and or, because you somehow think you have to give him tasks. You don't. If there's something you want from him, whether it's something practical or something hot or something amusing or whatever, then have him do that because that's awesome. And if he wants to serve you, that's an actual service he's providing for you to be amusing and hot and useful. If you're doing it for him because he really wants them, it just seems to me that you're creating a situation where you're pandering to him, which I don't know why I said it seems to me. You are creating a situation where you're pandering to him and you're creating a bunch of work for yourself. You're already stuck on trying to find tasks to give him, but then you have to monitor those tasks. You have to follow up if he doesn't do it right and you don't even care about them, right? 
So what you're doing is creating a bunch of work for yourself and a bunch of fun for him. And that's going to get old really fast. But if you, I understand, you know, despite all that, you might still want to do it. If you want to do it, make that his first task. Come up with a list of tasks, boy. <laughs> Next one. Hi, fans. I love you and your blog. Oh, thank you so much. I married my high school sweetheart, and although I've been successful in business and a good father, etc., I always felt that I married over my head. She was a homecoming queen, etc. I guess, truthfully, I've always felt there was a power exchange going on between us, and although I wouldn't admit it for a long time to my alpha-pretending self, I'm submissive. The reason for me asking this question is to see if a recent intense, uh, recent development makes any sense to you. One night, about six months ago during hot sex, my wife admits that she had an intense fling with a dominant tutor in college before we married. I was sucker punched, jealous, mad, etc. But over time, it's become a turn on. I'm not into hot wife type stuff, but there's something very powerful about the thought that she cheated on me, and yet... I'm so pussy-whipped by her that I can't resist her. It is like a demonstration of her sexual power. Does that make any sense? And even more, there is something about the insecurity of an actual dom, the tutor she cheated with, giving her something I have not that furthers this power dynamic. I'm absolutely convinced she's been faithful during our marriage, yet I'm not sure I want to admit the turn-on as this may then open a Pandora's box. Well, first of all, congratulations on, you know, being together so long from your with your childhood sweetheart. Um, that's great. I, I think there are many possible reasons why her revelation was a turn-on for you. And I'm not really going to ruminate on them because only you know your own mind and I think that requires quite a bit of reflection on your part to see exactly where the turn-on is coming from. I, I will say this, though. The scenario you described was really easy for you to morph into something sexy because it's gone and it's not a risk for you or for her. It's safe. You know what I mean? It's absolutely no threat to your relationship and it never was. So it's a safe way for you to feel a bunch of feelings without risking anything. And that's a good thing. That's nothing wrong with that. I think that's great. You've spun it into this fantasy and now you have these these feelings floating around. The reason I put it that way is because I think you're right to be concerned about opening some Pandora's box by trying to do something with those feelings. Not least because most monogamous vanilla women will most likely feel devalued if they think that their partner might want to share them somehow because culturally... Monogamy is a very strong force and part of monogamy is that jealousy and all that sort of thing that you portray and it is a step very far from that to then say you want to do something to stimulate that jealousy as a turn on for you. Then it starts to not get sexy for her. I think there, if you have good communication with her, there's plenty of ways to explore this with her without going down some risky route. Like you could just talk about male, male, female fantasies and, you know, maybe she'd be willing to talk you through that while you're having sex or in the lead-up to sex or something like that in the bedroom. 
as a as an aside, it's what you're talking about really is emotional masochism. There's some thing there with the cuckolding or hot wifing where if it's if it's female driven, it often is about her sexual power. I think a lot of those fantasies are often male driven, so it's not about her sexual power, it's about him getting off. But when a woman initiates it and she just decides that she wants to have the partners that she wants to have and he has no say in it, that scenario in a DS power sense is very much about her sexuality and how powerful it is. Not only because she can have her man at home agree to that, but because she obviously attracts other men and that's that's a whole mess of power play in there. One of the things about the fantasy talk, just out of interest, I don't think I ever talked about this on my blog. I used to do some elaborate, not really that elaborate, but kind of kind of elaborate sexy talk with my last submissive where I'd describe him being locked in a box under the bed while I played with some other boy. And he hated it. It almost made him cry. He was really hurt by it and it turned him on something terrible. That whole mess of conflict was huge for him. It was a serious emotional masochism. It's fascinating and so hot, like strange and hot and amazing. Anyway, there's that. Uh, the next one says, I don't have the funds to buy books, but I'm trying to understand the feelings that I have towards the dominant side. I've been a sub with a certain partner who wants the dominance from me, and I find myself wanting more of it. I just don't understand the mental part and what and how to progress this feeling. You don't have to buy books. There's plenty of free resources around. I suggest you join FetLife, read a lot of writing by experienced folks, read a lot of discussions, talk to people, and if you're social-minded... Get out to your local community and talk to those people. The best input you can get is from a lot of different experienced people who've had different experiences. Hi there, I just found your site, really enjoying going through it. I'm a submissive male who particularly enjoys a good long over-the-knee spanking. When it comes to discipline, what are your favourite methods and which do you consider to be the most effective? Hello there. I'm glad you're enjoying my blog. Um... Discipline as in consequence for transgression. Um, more likely to say, get him to write me an essay explaining what happened and how he would avoid doing it again. And the most effective strategy is to talk about it, figure out what went wrong and put solutions in place to avoid it happening again. I know, it's not very sexy, is it? But there you go. Um, ferns. I found your fantastic blog via the Blade clip on YouTube. <laughs> so hot. <laughs> Through which I reached your post of the 4th of May 2011. I left a comment. I'm a, ma- I'm a masochistic Jacko. Oh, hello, Jacko. Um, you share my sense of awe at this scene, it seems, and I was wondering, is this solely because you identify with the villainess? Um, for those who are listening and who aren't on my blog to get the link to that um, YouTube little clip, it's um, Ryan Reynolds basically chained to the floor and getting beaten up. Half naked Ryan Reynolds chained to the floor and getting beaten up. So good. 
Um, or is the sight of the victim suffering heroically a turn a turn on aside from that? Like theoretically, that could be a loved one of yours getting pummeled by another woman or even a man. The reason I ask is because I had a girlfriend a few years back whose hottest fantasy was for me to catch her in bed with another man and proceed to have a raging fist fight with him as she crouched on the bed, gazing on. Not exactly in character for me, but anyway. She wanted the upshot to be my victory, but secretly I couldn't help thinking it would be far hotter if he well and truly demolished me. So I'm snivelling, bleeding, and she sees me destroyed. Can you imagine identifying with a woman in my version of the fantasy, or would that just not do it for you? I'm so curious because as a heterosexual masochist, I'm puzzled that I like the idea of being beaten and humiliated in front of my sweetheart by a man, but it's going to be more of a preoccupation as time goes on. Ah, interesting. Um, what I love about that clip is him. Half naked and sweaty, all built and defiant and chained up, and the way he gets back up onto his knees after he's smacked down. Oh, hot. It's hot. Um, so it's not at all the idea of him being beaten by, or, you know, my submissive, I guess as a substitute, being beaten by someone else. If my submissive was huge and strong, I could see some appeal in, in a kind of fight club type, you know, manly beat up, beat down, but only if I knew he would win and not be badly hurt. <laughs> because otherwise I'd be too worried. It's not hot. Worry isn't very hot. So, no, it's not my thing. I guess what you're talking about is kind of a variation on the humiliation of cuckolding, really, where you aren't man enough, I guess, in inverted commas, man enough for your sweetheart. The only thing is that instead of it being a sexual thing for you, you've gone to the physical, I guess, because you're a masochist. So there's the not man enough coupled with, the pain side, I guess, the masochism in being beaten up and you've put them together into a whole scenario. So I can see, you know, where that comes from. But I imagine it would actually be a lot less fun in real life than in the fantasy for all of you, for everyone involved. And the next one, hello. When you know a boy is experiencing a severe case of limerence for you, do you nurture it and let it grow? Do you try stalling growth? Do you let it go and see if it grows on its own? Or would you like to rip it out by its roots and take it apart to see how the roots grow and work? In this scenario, you have feelings for the boy. And in the next, and the next one is, how do you know that he's closing doors on you? What clues do you have? Do you let him or do you encourage him to keep them open? Or do you gently push the doors open? Come here, kitten. Come here, baby. That's an interesting question. For those who aren't familiar with the word, limerence is in the dictionary defined as a state of mind resulting from romantic attraction, characterized by feelings of euphoria, the desire to have one's feelings reciprocated, etc. And I found an article that I linked 
to on my blog in the Huffington Post by a psychiatrist, which is much more detailed than the dictionary and describes limerence as an involuntary interpersonal state that involves an acute longing for emotional reciprocation, obsessive-compulsive thoughts, feelings and behaviours, and emotional dependence on another person, which sounds a lot less healthy than the first. To answer the question, if I have feelings for him and I have plans for us, then I'm happy to encourage it and let it grow because it's lovely. And then we see where we can take it. It's a shiny thing for the most part, like an intense version of new relationship energy. And I enjoy it very much. I don't think it's unhealthy, despite the second description from that article that I just read out. And by all accounts, it'll settle down once or over time as a relationship develops. On the other hand, the feelings aren't the only thing, right? If I have feelings for him but the relationship isn't going anywhere because reasons, um, then I'm very aware that there's going to be a price to pay for letting his limerence run wild and letting it grow. And he's going to be the one paying the price, right? So if that's the case, I will will try and manage it some um, to avoid the fallout because the fallout can be really terrible, hurtful, awful. And that's tricky because anyone under the spell of limerence doesn't want to hear it. They will not care one bit about any fallout even if they know it's coming. And that puts me in the position where I'm trying to manage it for both of us and really trying to decide how much is my responsibility. Because there's two schools of thought there. One is that it's none of it is my responsibility. If I'm up front and I'm honest, which I always am, then his feelings and his behaviour are his responsibility. But on the other hand, there is certainly a school of thought that it's a cruelty to allow someone to get wrapped up and get more wrapped up because of my behaviour when I'm not taking it anywhere. And, you know, I waver between those two because I think it's kind of patronising. If I'm honest and say, look, this relationship isn't going anywhere because of these reasons and he chooses then his path, then it's pretty patronising for me to go, oh, no, you can't choose that path. It's no good for you, like he's a child. So, yeah, that's tricky. Um, and I pretty much always problem poke at things to understand them, see how they work. So I'd probably be doing that anyway, regardless of the scenario. As for him closing doors on me, well, again, it depends on what the relationship is, what the relationship plan is. If the rela- well, you know, if we're heading into a relationship and he starts to close doors, then we have some issues and we need to sort them out. If He's closing doors and the relationship is not tenable for some reason. And eventually he will start closing doors on me, and he should, either to protect himself or because he's drifting away. Um, Then I'll let him. I'll encourage it even, because I think he should be doing that. I think it's healthy. Even if I have feelings for him, it's unfair to keep him in my thrall when I'm not taking it anywhere. So... While 
I don't take responsibility for his feelings, I take responsibility for my behaviours. And while being the object of that kind of intensity is hugely seductive, I'm not that asshole who's going to encourage it when I'm not taking it anyway. How do I know he's closing doors? I feel it, you know. I think you develop ways of relating and you develop um, ways of seeing into people and feeling people. And I think if someone starts closing doors on you, regardless of the situation, you feel it. There's subtle changes. And I don't, I don't think they're really tangible. Just a slight kind of lowering of the temperature, if you know what I mean. That was a tricky question. Thank you, boy. All right, that's the end of this podcast. Thank you for sticking with me. And I will probably do another one in a few months because that's how unreliable I am. If you want to ask me a question, come over to the blog and there's an Ask Me page. And you can click it and it's anonymous and I will not know it's you. So come on over. And I will speak to you next time.